welcome to the Pain Cave. My name is Jay Friedman. I'm your host, and I am very excited to be joined, as always, by my co-host and partner in crime, the Fulham Flyer, the Shawangook Express. He is the Janice Klecker to my Janice Hassenstein. Phil Vondra, welcome back to the Pain Cave. Sounds like a bar mitzvah. It's uh, good to be back here, brother. It's good to see you again. <laughs> good to see you as well, Phil. We have a ton of stuff to get into in what yeah. is really mostly going to be our Western States uh, reaction pod. But before right. we do... That was this weekend, was it? That was this weekend. That was this right. past okay. weekend. Were you cool. Were you aware? Were you following along? I was running a slightly bigger race than you that. Were, you were running a more important but race. I do hear there are a bunch of... Uh, west coast people you know running around on like a flat nice easy trails yeah exactly some of the whereas the east coasters were out there trying to just live trying to get to the end of life you know <laughs> if I mean, uh, yeah if, at the finish, so if flat and fast running is your sort of thing you might have been into the goings on out west this weekend i guess yeah you know nice frappuccino before you race maybe you're lucky to get a punch in the face at manitou's <laughs> but before we get to all that phil what are we drinking tonight well I'm saying with the Catskill theme, I've got the one and only, the legendary West Kill Brewing Catskill IPA. Nice. That's a classic. That's classic. Best in best in breed, as they say, best in class. I'm gonna break out another athletic, uh, athletic brewing, one of our favorites, an Upside Dawn. Yeah, and I do Cheers. believe you are an ambassador for them, mm -hmm. correct? Wow. That is right. You can use the promo code JasonF20 for 20% <laughs> off your first order. 20% off or they add 20% if someone orders through you. <laughs> that's, that's the tax that you have to pay. As if it wasn't enough of a, as if it wasn't enough of a burden to be saddled with, to have to deal with me on a day-to-day -day basis. Now your beer gets more expensive as well. <laughs> so Phil, we alluded to it a little bit. There was a little race going on this past weekend that some of us like to call Western States and we like to joke, but it is our favorite race and uh, weekend of the year. And uh, we have a ton of storylines and things to get to. We want to talk about how we did with our predictions. And I think what we're going to do, and we do have some other races that we want to talk about at the end as well, including the uh, not-so-little race that you ran this weekend. But uh, I think we're going to start with a segment that we're going to call heat training. Okay? Heat training, right. very important as we move into the summer months. It was hot and steamy here this mm -hmm. weekend. And uh, I know you've been heat training diligently for your, your rundown in Georgia last yep. month. and I'm, I've been in the sauna a little bit. That's right. Naked, completely naked, which helps. So heat training, we're gonna we're gonna be we're gonna be examining some hot takes coming out of Western states, and so what's gonna happen here? I'm gonna give you a hot take, Phil, and you are gonna rate it on a scale of one to five, okay? Yeah. In terms of how hot, one is the Arrowhead 135, okay? Okay. That's that's the middle of the winter, right? You drag your sled. Do I do I need to get a pen and paper? Yep, yep. You should be writing this down. Arrowhead 135, two, two on the scale of one to five, two, uh, we'll say two um, saunas, two sauna sessions uh, is LAVS, uh, the Vol, Vol State 500. Right. Three is the MDS, the Marathon de Saab. That's three saunas. Right. Okay. Four saunas is the Canyons on the last weekend in June. All right. And five saunas, the full five saunas is the Badwater 135. All right. Well, that's the race where you can have someone in a minivan driving next to you, the air conditioning. Just, just, on, right? Yeah, just spraying a spraying a little bottle of water. Yeah, on well, yeah they hold you down every every half mile. Did they? What's that? Did, I think they ended up putting a stop to that, right? Because people were having minivans <laughs> with the ACB on board. <laughs> I mean, you got to love the creativity. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So, are you ready for heat training? 
What was one again? Arrowhead. Arrowhead 135. Right. That's right, cold. Right. That's, uh, yeah, that's a cold that's one. Cold. That's, yeah. That's cold weather. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. You ready? Okay. Let's do it. Hot take number one. Give me your rating on this hot take. Adam Peterman will make us forget who Jim Wamsley is. Ooh, that's punchy. It's punchy. I'm I'm gonna have to go. Uh, I'm gonna have to go marathon to sob on that. I I don't. I couldn't. <laughs> I'd lo- I'd love to be a little bit more aggressive on that, but I mean, you know, the king ain't dead. <laughs> the king ain't dead you yet. That's I mean? right. And I have a feeling I have a feeling he's going to have a lot to say and a lot to be heard from later this summer in 1445 pace. So (laughs) that's right. That's right. We would be remiss if we did not if we did not mention that all three of Jim's wins were at a minimum 30 minutes, almost 30 minutes faster than Adam ran this weekend. But I think the big story we would have to agree coming out of this weekend was uh, Adam Peterman uh, in his debut hundred, not just his debut at Western States, but the the first hundred of his uh, short and illustrious ultra career um, ran, I think you would have to say, a perfectly executed race. Yeah, incredibly well. I mean, he he held back. You know, he he had a hard start and he was smart. You know, he said he didn't feel very well from, I think, about sort of 10 miles, maybe at like a 20-mile stretch. He wasn't feeling very good. His stomach was a bit off. And, uh, you know, he was smart, he held back, he just got himself back together and then just started, you know, crushing through the field. So, yeah, it's impressive. Yeah, very, very impressive. Um, and, uh, you know, I think there, there, there were people who were of two minds coming in. I think you and I basically were nervous about picking him coming in as, again, a 100-mile debutante. It's, hard, it's a hard distance, obviously, to get right your first time, and yeah. especially on uh, such a big stage under so much pressure with such competition and then you throw the heat and everything else in there uh, just the chances of nailing it on your first try at the distance are are so small um, but at the same time I think we both picked him just because he, of, of his talent and his recent form I mean the guy has just yeah. been basically unbeatable for about I don't know 18 months 20 months at this point and um, yeah like we said executed perfectly um, you know ran within contact of the leaders for the first 30 miles or so made his move a little after Hayden had opened up a little bit of a gap uh, at about the 30-mile mark. I think he caught Hayden shortly after Forest Hill, right around mile 70, and uh, widened the gap to over 30 minutes by the end of the race. And, and most of that coming, I think, in the last 15 miles after they left Auburn Lakes Trails. Yeah, it was a really, really impressive run. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what he does. I think I'm not sure what else he's doing this year, but he did say that he was thinking at some point of trying to do um, an Olympic trials qualifying time. You know, wanted to work on a bit of speed. So if he if he can do that kind of thing, then you know maybe on the old uh, you know heatometer we can get him <laughs> up to a four, maybe touching onto a five. You know, I mean he's got a chance then. Yeah, really. That shows he's got the, the speed. You know, right? Really following in the in the gym footsteps there and the legacy that Jim yeah. has left. Um, if he were to go and do that. And he's, yeah, he's been following the gym playbook at this point, right, you know, with, with wins at uh, Speedgoat and um, uh, I'm trying to think of where else. Canyons, I guess, is not, not a race that Jim has run before, but taking out a couple of gym course records before. And, and now, like we said, 30 minutes behind Jim's slowest of his three wins, but solving the race on his first try, which is something that Jim did not, excuse me, did not do uh, his first time around. So, um, yeah, really, really exciting. I mean, 
Look, he seems like a fantastic guy. Every interview you you read or, or hear with him is, you know, you, you just get the, the sense that he is, um, you know, confident but humble and, and aware of, you know, the, the kind of tradition of the sport and, you know, his place in it as, as to this point. And, and I think he's he's got, you know, the right attitude. He's got, uh, you know, a great head on his shoulders. He seems really down to earth and, and hopefully he has a really long career because he's, he's a lot of fun yeah. to follow. I mean, he's 26. You know, he's uh, he's kind of in that class of runner that's going to be really exciting to follow. You know, a lot of guys are kind of, you know, in the middle, late stage of their careers. Uh, but he's right at the beginning, really. Yeah. And, um, you know, there are a bunch of other guys that are in that area as well. But he has shown some, you know, great speed and maturity early on. So definitely something interesting to watch. And, you know, obviously very early to start talking about Ultra Runner of the Year. But never too early from our perspective, since we love talking about that. And this may be the first time in, you know, Jim's reign that this may actually be a vote uh, or may actually be a contest. Um, I think Jim's won it for the last five years in a row. And uh, I don't think there's been too much of a question, except maybe the one year, uh, a couple years ago, where uh, we threw around um, Jeff Browning and and Debo and, and Jim did wind up winning that one year. Other than that, he's been more or less unchallenged in that in that voting process. This is going to be interesting. I mean, again, we'll see if Adam, what he comes back to in the second half of the year. I know he said after the race he was going to take a, a nice long break and recharge a little bit, which I think is smart. Jim still obviously has the big goal of UTMB out there. And if he were to win it, uh, I think even in a even with a, a thin resume, if he was to become the first U.S. man to win UTMB, the one kind of big goal that's eluded him to this point, I think he'd probably still take home you know, between that and a course record at Madeira earlier this year, he's probably still the favorite. But yeah, you know, I, it, I wouldn't even need to think if he did that. If he wins UTMB, there's no question he's all trying to. Yeah, I mean, I think you're, I think you're probably right. And UTMB is still the most competitive hundred mile in the world. And uh, you know, I think a yes, a, a win at UTMB would probably outstrip. Uh, Adams win at, at Western States, uh, even though, again, a very impressive performance. But, you know, yeah. we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. It, it For the first time, like, yeah. I, like I said, for the first time in a while, it's going to be an argument, at least. I mean, we, we don't like it easy, right? We like it. I mean, Jim's going to really throw a spanner in the works and come second at UTMB, right? <laughs> you and I are not going to sleep for a week worrying about how, what our rankings are going to be like. Jim's going to be panicking as he's coming into the finish. He's closing on first. He knows if he doesn't win, he's not going to get ultra run there a year. I mean, he's got so much pressure on the guy. He, you know, six times in a row is just unprecedented. He must be. Yeah. Well, five, five in a row is impressive. Right so. now. Yeah. All right. You ready for a hot take number two? Oh, there's another one. Yeah. Yeah. Right. We got yeah. we got plenty. Right. Here we go. Hot take number two. Speaking of UTMB. The U.S. women at Western States is the new U.S. men at UTMB. Um, right, right, right. OK. Um. I'm going to go for a two on that one. Sorry. Yeah. I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure about that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And to be fair, I didn't even really believe that one when I wrote it, but that's why it's a hot take. That's, that's why we, that's why we, that's why we call it that. Uh, yeah. But, but we would be remiss if we did not point out last year, obviously was the year of the women. We talked about it at length. We had five women in the top 10 and I think uh, 14 of the top 30. This year, not quite so, uh, not quite so impressive. No women in the top ten this year. Um, but, but the the interesting thing in the past two years now, no women on the podium uh, from the U.S. 
Uh, we had a, an yeah. all-international podium last year in the top three, and this year, top five women all outside the U.S. Uh, Lee Yingling was the, the top U.S. finisher in sixth place. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, uh, you know, I, I certainly wouldn't go far as to say that U.S. women are, you know, struggling or having a problem uh, with UTMB uh, to the or with uh, Western states to the degree that the U.S. men have when we when we go to the big dance overseas. But uh, it is a little um, it's a little interesting that, uh, you know, a, a race that I don't know that if, uh, I'd have to look back. To, to check with 100% certainty, but I, I think there's only one, prior to the last two years, I don't know that there's been more than one other uh, winner of the race on the women's side from outside of North America, uh, between the U.S. and Canada. I don't know that that, that, that has happened. And now in the last two years, uh, again, no women on the podium. Um, I think this speaks uh, volumes about the depth of the women's field, not just at Western States, but in general, the the yeah. um, the degree to which the sport has grown, and and you know we still obviously have a long way to go in terms of uh, equity on the starting lines between men and women, and we've talked about that obviously at length before. Um, you know there is still uh, a lot of work to be done there to to get the partisan uh, the participation numbers, the media coverage, the the sponsorship dollars uh, uh, more equitable between men and women. But I think. You know the fact that this is now truly an international women's field, and there are runners from all over the world who are taking taking part and racing hard at the front of Western states. I think is a great sign uh, for the sport in general. Yeah, totally. And I mean, also like you know we're saying that, but like Danny Moreno was third at the Mont Blanc Marathon. So you know the women, the quality of U.S. women's running is deep. Oh, you know? for sure. Um, it's incredibly deep. And like, you know, Courtney, I mean, you know, if Courtney had been at state, she probably would have won it, right? I mean, she's another one focusing on uh, on UTMB. Right. But yeah, I mean, it is like, it'll be nice to see some someone at least on the podium, you know? Yeah, no, it's just, it's it's a little bit of, I think, like I said, a, a little bit of a maybe historical anomaly. Uh, the, the past several U.S. women's champions, uh, like we mentioned, Courtney, Claire, um, the last two American women not, or to, to win this race, not in the field. Um, Casey, a former champion, coming back from injury, and um, you know, and and uh, Sabrina Stanley, another uh, hundred mile specialist who we think could uh, you know really once she comes back to Western States, and she's been uh, in the top five before, but I think when she, when she yeah. comes back now with a couple great. more years of experience, I think she's going to be a real favorite. But you know, again, she's also focused in Europe right now, and um, yeah, it's it's. Uh, you know, it, it's opened up the field a little bit for, for the, the foreigners and, and they've taken advantage and that's great. And, and we had a, a you know, a, a, a truly deserving and, and very impressive win from Ruth Croft, uh, New, New Zealand's Ruth Croft, uh, backing up her second place finish last year in what I think was the third fastest women's time ever. Is that correct? Uh, I don't know. It was fast. <laughs> um, I didn't, I don't have my uh, database of, uh, of, of, uh, Western States times. In front I, of me. I, I think it was. I think it was the third fastest women's time ever behind um, right. Ellie and um, and Beth's time from last year. I just so. pulled up my database. Actually, it is correct. Yeah, I yeah. had to shut down some of my other databases um, to check. What did you think of the way the women's race played out? Um, just following along with the leaders, uh, it seemed like similar. Similarly to um, to Adams' win on the men's side, Ruth seemed to execute her race perfectly. Yeah, and. Uh, she she and Emily Hoggood were running at the front 
Uh, they kind of took over yep. the lead uh, in the middle of the race and were running together for a while. Um, yeah. And really just following it, it really just seemed like Ruth was just, just I'm not going to say toying with her, but it, it seemed from 3,000 miles away, yeah. I could tell that Ruth was just waiting to, to drop the hammer. Just and when she did, it was time, over. Relaxed. Yeah. 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 It was, it was, I mean, kind of interesting that, you know, she was just, no one was going to ever stop her. The way, it, just the way she looked like she was moving when I saw her. Yeah. You know, on some of the uh, the the video and stuff from the from the race, you know, coming out of Robertson Flat, it's only thirty miles in or whatever. But she just looks so good, just looks so strong. You know, having a laugh and a joke with people, um, and then you know, some of the other people coming through just looked a bit kind of stressed. So yeah, it was. I mean, I think the whole women's race in general was like, you know, there weren't any like major upsets. I'd say the only one would be like Brittany Peterson, really. Right. You know, she was a bit further down than than expected. But I think the kind of all the names in the kind of frame there, I think it kind of played out like, you know, people weren't quite where they, you know, felt they would have been. Right. They were in the, still in the top 10. So obviously, right. you know, that's that's such a great result. No, that's a good point. It did go a little bit to form. And we'll get to that when we get to the results yeah. of our picks and, I think and cats picks. You know, um, the women race smart. And actually, I think this year the men race smart because they raced like arseholes last year. You know? <laughs> and they were all basically blowing up and dropping out. Right. And I think they're like, you know, we basically embarrassed ourselves. Um, but, uh, yeah. All right. They, that's my hot take. <laughs> all right. Hot take number three. You ready? Oh, cranky. All right. Let's do it. Camille Heron's top 10 finish was more impressive than her 100-mile world record. Oh, that's a five. <laughs> that's a bad water for you. Yeah. That's a bad water. I don't know. I'm maybe not being fair. Uh, but I know you like that. Uh, sort of, you know, playing up to your uh, sense of humor here. Um, yeah. I mean, I think, I think, you know, I mean, I think she had a good day, actually. I mean, I'm not sure she, I mean, she can probably go a little bit faster. But I just don't think she has the, the kind of mountain legs for this type of stuff, you know? Yeah, you know, I mean, look, we, we've talked about this at length, both on and off the pod. Um, and uh, I'm a little yeah, bit... about it that time in the hot tub in Prague, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit... I, look, I think, this, I think this was a very good... I think this was a very good result for her. I think she needed to put up a result at this race. Um, yeah. otherwise the questions were going to get really, really loud. Um, yes. yeah. and, uh, I think she, you know, she, I think if not silenced some critics, at least, uh, shut them up for a little while. Um, yeah. with, she's, with, she's done herself justice. Yes. I think. Yes. You know, like she kind of embarrassed herself before, but she does like a good story, you know, so she's there like sleeping on a, on a you know, camp bed at an aid station over the last year. <laughs> right. Um, no, this, you know, this was uh, a, a very I, strong, very solid performance. She, yeah. she ran, uh, she, maybe she didn't execute exactly like we would have liked to see, but she seemed to be running within herself. She did not, uh, you know, she was first up the escarpment as she usually is, but, um, yeah. you know, seemed to rein it in, was running in control, looked to be in striking distance through the canyons. And I think we yeah. were all anticipating a big move after Forest Hill, which never quite came. And she faded a little bit after the Rocky Chucky, but, um, or, or it really down Cal Street a little bit uh, more than more than we would have liked, but but still hung on for a, a, a tough top ten finish and and I think acquitted herself well. Uh, so uh, from that standpoint, I think it, it was a it was a very a very good very strong performance. From the you know the flip side of that is 
this was a year where I think she could have won it, even though the field was very strong and Ruth ran, like we said, a, a really brilliantly executed race. And she seemed, you know, much like Beth did last year to, to always be in control. And, and the race really played out the way Ruth wanted it to. And maybe it was just going to be Ruth's day. And, and, you know, nobody, you know, Courtney or, or anyone else was going to have anything to say about that. Uh, that's certainly possible to it, to to speculate, given the, the type of performance and the time that she put up. But having said that, you know, we talked about this before when we were on with Kat. This this was a race that Camille could certainly have won, looking at the start list, looking at who wasn't there, looking at the fact that she's yeah, been she, just... well, but she's been finishing races. She's been running well. She she broke her own world record just a few months ago. She's obviously right. in form. She's healthy. Those are not always things she could have said standing on the start line of Western States in years past. Um, yeah, I mean, I want to try and say it in the nicest possible way, but I, I don't <laughs> think she can win it. You know, I think that she's a good runner on flat ground. You know, she has that like kind of ultra shuffle down. You know, it looks yeah. like uh, you at the uh, high school disco. Um, <laughs> and uh, I think that's her jam, you know, and there's nothing yeah. wrong with that. Like, there's nothing wrong with being a world champion, right? Last world, time I yeah. checked, it was world champion, nice. world record holder, multiple time world yeah, champion, winning lots of big races. Yep. But, you know, Western States, it's a mountain race, it has 18,000 feet of climbing in it. Yep. You know, and some of the trails are reasonably technical. Yep. I don't know if she, if that's really in her wheelhouse enough to be good enough to win this race against, you know, Ruth Croft, great mountain racer. Beth Pascal, great mountain racer. You know, uh, Louisa, Louisa Bula, great mountain racer. You know, all yep. the people ahead of her are like good mountain racers. Marianne Hogan. Yep. I mean, you know, she's good at what she does. Very, very good. Yeah. But I don't think she's good enough at this. So, so Kat, Kat made the point when we were on uh, with her pre-race that when Camille truly commits to preparing for Western states as if it's the most important thing in the world, which to Kat means, you know, going to camp, uh, you know, spending multiple days and weeks on the course, learning the ins and outs of the course, really honing the, those mountain running chops. You know, again, not that it's UTMB or, or, or Hard Rock in terms of technicality, but you're, you're, you're absolutely right. It's not a road race either, um, even though we sometimes like to pretend that it is. Um, you yeah. know, when she makes that full commitment, uh, then she'll be ready to, to win this race. And, and I think that may be true. I mean, I saw somewhere online, I can't remember exactly where it was, but someone had cl- uh, quoted Connor, her, her husband and coach, saying that, you know, as an example of how committed Camille was to, to the race this year, that she had been to the course three times in the last six weeks, which, you know. I, well, that might have been three camps on the course. Okay, so maybe it days. is. Right. So maybe that's yeah, three. do, hit in and out burger and then go for a quick five mile. <laughs> right. Look, and, and, and maybe that's the case. Maybe that's three, three to four day sessions and she spent... Uh, you know, 12 to 15 days on the course or something like that in a six week span, then then look, that's a that's a full commitment. Maybe it maybe it's not quite that much. And maybe she really does need a month or six weeks, you know, in Auburn or 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 in, um, you know, Forest Hill or something and just spending every day on the course to really get it. Um, you know, if if this is if this was that kind of preparation where she had two solid weeks of training on the course, um, then, yeah, maybe this isn't going to happen for her. Because, again, in terms of fitness, in terms of health, in terms of speed, I don't know that she can do it better than this. I mean, she can probably execute slightly better. Uh, and and I, I would expect more of a top five finish. But, yeah, may, maybe, you know, 
Maybe she's got another gear in terms of her preparation in her. I think Kat would argue that she probably does. And if that's the case, then I think you take this result, you add a little bit of a more focused preparation on this race to the exclusion of everything else, then yeah, I think she's as, as much of a favorite as anybody else. Um, but but if, if this was as, as, uh, as single-minded a, a dedication as we're going to get, then yeah, maybe it doesn't happen for her at this race. And like you said, like we've said over and over, that's fine. She's the greatest, uh, you know, road and track ultra runner of all time, certainly for women. And, you know, one of, if you, you know, want to add the men in there, she's still, I, I would say, on the Mount Rushmore. And uh, that that is an incredible legacy to leave the sport with. And she's certainly not done. Yeah. But yeah. so she, she doesn't need this. But, um, you know, if, if it, I, 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 I don't know that we'll ever know exactly a what's in her head and b you know how how the preparation is really going to go because i think she's a little bit more coy about that than than she likes to let on yeah i mean i think even if she moved there i think you know a few months or whatever i just i think you know there's too many young good mountain runners or runners that can you know operate on a course with some vert and a little bit of you know uh altitude um i don't know I, I think maybe she can get top five and you know like you were saying i mean she's just absolutely the best ever at what she does yep and like so what you know she can't win western states i mean she's got world records coming out of the wazoo she's yep. got you know wins left right and center beating mountain runners on flat courses you know so she's yep. she's proven you know how good she is yeah i, I think this is out of her wheelhouse and uh, you know I don't think at this point in her career she can win it. It's it's a you alluded to her her stride, which is it just seems ill suited to you know technical and mountainous trail running. I would love yeah. to see. I, mean, I, I would love to see her in the lab. Era. In twenty seventeen, she overtook me about twenty five miles into the race, right. and I offered her some lube because I thought she was chafing. <laughs> but apparently, that's how she runs. So, I would I would love to see her in the lab, like what her actual economy is. It would be. It would be really interesting to see because I, I, my guess is over flat ground, it's it's as high as it could get. What the hell is so funny? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't I didn't sell that joke enough for you, did I? <laughs> no, just the way you said I had her in the lab. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Oh, right. man. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, I totally no sold that joke for you. <laughs> All right. Okay. You ready for the next one? You ready for hot take four? I think we should, right? <laughs> All right. Hot take number four. With three women in the top ten, Adidas will dominate trail running for the next five years. Uh, I'm going to have to go back with the Vol State, a two on that. They just Adidas can't just, you know, they can't break in. Three, I mean, you three of the top everything. ten women, not including Sabrina Stanley, possibly their most or one of their most decorated and most famous athletes. Yeah, they got the, they got the runners. They got the mountain runners. I mean, they got they got a great squad. But you know, I don't know. I wouldn't even know where to go and buy a pair of Adidas running shoes or <laughs> t-shirt or whatever. Um, I don't know. I mean, they they've been smart with who they picked. I think Hoka probably threw it out there and just scooped as many as they could. Right, the Adidas of uh, of yeah, picked some 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 serious quality. Yeah, yeah. Um... Right, and I guess Hoka can't sign everybody. Um, I, I do. I mean, I, I do find it interesting. I think 
what what we're getting at a little bit also, excuse me, I'm sorry about that, is that, um, you know, and, and it seems silly to say, well, it's it's not just uh, it's not just going to be Hoka from now on because, you know, it's not like Hoka is is taking a back seat. I, you know, Adidas had three of the top ten women, and Hoka I think had three of the top ten men, including the top two. Um, mm. So, you know, I, I don't think they're going anywhere in their dominance on the trail and ultra scene for now. But, you know, I, I think when you when you scroll through the the shoe companies that are you know represented in the top ten on both the men's and the women's side, you're seeing some different names and some some yep. companies that haven't necessarily invested that much in trail running before that I think are now starting to see, and we've talked about this before with a number of people, um, that, that are starting to see the opportunity. And I think that, you know, right. So I agree that's not the hottest of takes. I think, um, you know, Adidas, Adidas will do fine. But, uh, you know, I, I think what, this, what, what we're going to see is that it's not just going to be uh, Hoka and maybe North Face from now on, yeah. um, you know, I think, or Hoka and Solomon or whatever it is. I mean, you know, you have Adidas there, you have uh, Saucony is now making a big move into the space. Um, you know, certainly North Face, Solomon are not going anywhere. Uh, Nike, you know, it, two, two men in, in the top 10 as well. And, and, you know, always seem to be kind of resetting what they're doing on the trail space. But, um, yeah. you know, my, you know, the, the, the super shoes now coming out with um, with trail versions of those, and and uh, you know they certainly have a lot of money to throw at the problem. Uh, you know we're seeing Scott, we're seeing Kraft, we're seeing New New Balance all taking uh, big stabs on the on the trail running side. So I think that will I think that bodes well for the future on the professional side, and uh, I think we're going to start continue to see that explosion. All right, I have I have one more uh, hot take on a kind of related note. You ready for this one? Yeah, let's do it. All right, give me your rating one to five. Arlen Glick is about to get paid. Uh, I'm going to go on a four on that one. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's definitely going to be crushing hundreds. I mean, the guy's like a robot. I mean, he just gets in the zone and he just goes. I mean, so interesting. I mean, and so consistent. So consistent. You know, uh, we talked a lot about him on our Ultra Runner of the Year show last year after the great year that he had winning yeah. multiple hundreds like you said uh you know in in very fast times all i think i think he had four or five wins last year under 14 hours um yeah. Cr- crazy yeah yeah i mean I think, I think when we were talking about our picks we you know that was one of the things we really spoke about it was just like he's consistently running like 12 hour 100 miles right right yeah and and on trails too. I mean, you know, yeah. putting up times like that at, at stuff like Javelina, which is you know mm-hmm. still a, a fast course, but still you know legit. Tra- I mean, it's not you know it's more trail than like you know Tunnel Hill or something like that that likes yeah. to kind of claim that that trail moniker sometimes. I, I think for me going in, I was a little bit uh, anxious to see how he did on a true mountain race or a, a at least a more of a mountainous he's test. Young, I think he's a young guy, yeah, and. Uh, and and he, I mean, passed with flying colors, obviously for a podium finish, uh, closing fast, um, yeah. and uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, if Hoka isn't banging down his door already, um, somebody else will very quickly, uh, and I think he's a real oh, yeah. rising star. Yeah, I mean, maybe you could be the uh, Jerry Maguire of ultra running. <laughs> you could be out there battling for contracts. That'd be just so amazing. Help me, help you. <laughs> help you. <laughs> Such a great movie. I think it's not many years off before we do have the Jerry Maguire version of ultra running. People are going to love this sport so much. (laughs) 
with all the coverage now. Well, well, yeah, no, and there is some. I think there's some professional representation. I remember, I know Debo a few years ago had signed on with, um, I think it was Presidio Sports Management, which was doing a, a right. big push into the kind of um, extreme sports and and uh, yeah. I think a little bit of the ultra running space. I think that you know his deal with Red Bull, I think, was brokered by them. Um, I don't know if that's still a relationship or if they're still in the space, but uh, yeah, no, it, I mean. You know, not to keep referring to our, our, our show with Kat, but I think she, she alluded to this that, you know, trail running is going to just get more and more professional as the, oh, yeah. as the you know, monetary rewards, uh, you know, continue to grow and as, yep. you know, the, the companies continue to be involved and, and, and you know, the payouts continue to, to, yeah. to, to grow. Yeah, it's, it's only natural that, that people are going to start, you know, getting representation. And then maybe even it ends up at the Olympics. You know, I mean, I certainly could see a VK there. I mean, the VK mm. broken out was so exciting to watch because of the coverage. You know, you can have basically constant coverage, you know, like a 40, 45-minute race, yeah. you know, 50-minute, whatever. Yeah. Like, that's a really good amount of time to make it interesting. You know, you kind of, like, you know, seasoned vets like us could go a bit longer. Yeah. But, like, the general public watching people run up a steep mountain, I think that's pretty pretty cool with the drones and then the, the people running alongside them. A, v- uh, a VK is really, yeah, that's, like, tailor-made for 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 tv coverage you know and the olympic the olympics be, are a tv show that'll be like the feeder route for people into ultra so they'll they'll see that and they'll start look, exploring trail running more and then you know there'll be some kind of you know overflow there and then you know once the sponsors come in and the money's there and then you know all the other various yeah. you know running disciplines come in all the, the track people and yeah yeah road and- that'd be interesting um what other takeaways or storylines do you have that you want to talk about from western states um, I mean, there's a couple of things. I mean, obviously, the golden hour is just absolutely amazing. I mean, watching that, just all the stories of people coming in was was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say Drew Holman is possibly the happiest man on the Western States course. I don't think that guy missed a high five around the track. <laughs> I think he could have been five minutes quicker if he, he high fived every single person. <laughs> uh, best finish line as well, just like puked up like three times, just excellent, but still laughing and joking and, you know, like, you know, like just so, so chilled out. But yeah, I mean, it looked like he had a special puke bag. I don't think you're allowed to puke on the track. I think oh, is that right? They had to give him like I a, like, like a doggy yeah. bag? <laughs> so yeah, you get a special bag, like you get a Western States puke bag at the finish line. <laughs> Another good memento. Um, what else did I think was good? I thought that Ruth Croft getting chased in by her crew that were dressed up in t-rex outfits the dinosaurs that was great insanely good um and i really like the fact that from the the la- about the last mile of the course you can basically run with as many people as you want yeah so i'm starting to hope that in future years people are going to try and see how many they can this be like a flash mob there <laughs> like someone crossed the line with like 800 <laughs> followers you know, maybe I shouldn't have started. It might be a challenge now. Um, but, like, you know, there's going to be a record at Western States for how many people you ran in with. <laughs> I'm never getting in now. I'm totally banned. But, yeah, I mean, there was just so much good stuff there. It was great. And the coverage was great as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's it's tough to get the, the amount of footage that you want to see out there, especially in the early going. And, you know, a lot of remote sections of the course. And, you know, I... I I think hope, hopefully that improves in the future. Um, you know, a lot of the, I, I think there's a lot of areas that are just not going to allow 
uh, drones, which is really what we want to see for a lot of this stuff. So, yeah, you know, it may never be kind of the UTMB spectacle. Um, and I think the, I think the board and, 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 you know, the race is probably OK with that, keeping it a little bit more of a kind of hometown feel than than maybe a completely, you know, uh, corporatized or, or, you know, overexposed event. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, for, for what was out there, I think the coverage was really good. Um, you know, Diabon Corinne did a great job on the call as, as they have been, uh, for a while now. And, um, yeah, it's just, you know, it's, it's just a super fun weekend. You know, um, we, we talk a lot about when we, when we make our picks and when we kind of, uh, analyze the race about the importance of experience. I keep coming back to this and, uh, I'm wondering, you know, my, my takeaway from, from last year and this year is. You know, maybe experience is not as much of a big deal as we thought it was. And Kat kind of was talking a little bit about that, especially on the women's side. But even the men's side, you know, we've now seen, I just went back and looked at the kind of the top finishers from the last couple of years, you know, and, and certainly uh, Adam Adam Peterman is example number one of this. And we, we talked about that first hundred and, and nails it. Um, you know, last year you mentioned Drew Holman, first hundred uh, coming in. Uh, puts in a, a fantastic performance uh, and winds up on the podium. Ruth Croft, first hundred last year, runs a beautiful race, uh, second to just a historic performance from Beth Pascal. Marianne Hogan, you mentioned her, um, and we talked about her in the pre-race. Cat was really, I think we were all pretty high on, on her chances. She winds up on the podium in her first hundred. Uh, Hayden Hawks last year, first hundred, um, you know, maybe not the most perfectly executed race, but still a top 10 and comes back here with a, uh, a second uh, runner, a runner-up finish this year in his second hundred, mm-hmm. and and yeah, you can keep going down the list of people in the last couple of years who, um, you know, either in their first hundred or their first Western States really put up top finishes. Uh, Tyler Green last year, first Western States, uh, second overall. Cody Lynn first Western States. Yeah. Um, Arlen Glick this year first Western States. Leah yep. Yingling this year. Camille Bruyas first Western States for both of them. Both of them coming up with top ten finishes. Yeah, yeah, maybe it doesn't matter as much as we used to think. Um, I think yeah. I think people are getting smarter, and you, you learn more about the course. You come out, you do the you do the camp, and uh, you know, almost everyone has a coach now, and you know, many people are coached by people with a lot of experience on that course, and and yeah, maybe it's uh, it's it's a it's becoming a little bit easier to solve. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, just more professionalism in the sport, more science in the sport, you know, like more information, you know, YouTube's full of stuff, there's all kinds of books. Yeah, I mean, people just getting better prep, you know? Yeah. So I think it's going to see it more and more often. Obviously, quality of athletes coming through is very high as well. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, before we say goodbye to Western States for another year, do you want to pat ourselves on the back a little bit for our, our picks? Yeah, I just have one question. Okay. Before we, we go into to the to the picks. Yeah. What is it with like the runners running with like two a water bottle in each hand? So you look at your average elite runner, right? I mean, I've seen bigger chicken wings for arms. You know, I mean, their biceps. I mean, I've seen bigger string beans. You know, and they're carrying two like sixteen ounces, eighteen ounces. I mean, what hurts more the next day, your quads or your biceps? If you're like a serious runner and you've got two water bottles. I mean, no, I mean, the biceps like Popeye by the end of these races. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 a good point, and and there have been studies on the you know the 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 running economy cost of carrying water bottles in your hands, and it's not yeah. an insignificant cost. Um, yeah. And it's it is surprising to still see that with the proliferation of vests and all the other kind of hydration oh. carrying solutions now. Mm. Um, I wonder if 
I, it, I, I agree. It did seem a little bit more prominent this year than it has in recent yeah. years. I wonder. I mean, you're probably going to drink more, right? Because they're in your hands. Because you they're in your hands. Them. So maybe that's. And you're going to make them light. Maybe that's just a, right. Maybe that's just a reminder, you know, to, you know, to stay hydrated. I wonder if also, you know, um, as a heavy sweater, when when I have a bigger vest on um, and more fabric in contact with the skin and, and kind of trapping heat, I, I tend to yeah. heat up a little bit more. So maybe maybe that's the, the decision people are making just um, in the heat. You have less uh, cover on your skin uh, or less. Uh, heat trapping against the skin from a vest and maybe they they figure that 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 little bit of cooling is going to offset the the energy cost of carrying in the hands i'm not sure um but that's that was an interesting that's an interesting thing to, to notice all right let's talk uh let's talk picks so we made our top five men's picks and our top 10 women's picks did you did you score them? I did. I did score them. Um, and I scored, let me guess, you won. Well, I scored them in a couple of different ways because I was really oh, trying to find a way I could figure did, out did to win. Win in the other ways. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna have to admit. So for, for the men's picks, uh, we were all pretty close in terms of uh, to each other. I'm gonna have to admit, right. Phil. I, I think you're the winner on the men's side. So uh, okay. Well, yeah. that sounds like you're gonna say you won the women's, and that's the one that counts the most. So you actually won overall. Yeah, uh, you know okay. me. You know me pretty well. So, uh, you know, so on the men's side, uh, the, both us and Cat all had. Um, we we all picked two of the top five correctly. We all had uh, a third of the top five, uh, or a third a third pick in our top five. Uh, also wound up in the top ten. So those were all pretty equal. We all had. Uh, we all, we all missed on the same two people, basically. We all missed on Jared Hazen, and, uh, who DNF'd, yeah. and, and Tim Tolfson, who had a, a rough day, although did gut out a finish. So, um, you know, so the, the, that was kind of a wash all, the, all across that way. I will say that I hit one pick exactly, and that was Adam Peterman for the win. You hit two exactly. You had Adam Peterman for the win, and you had Arlen Glick in third, which is where he wound up. Cat did not have anyone exactly in place there, so advantage you on that one. If we add it up, if we do it by the uh, I run far prediction contest method, which is you add up the difference in the placing between where you had the runner and where they finished for the the three. And, and, and so if we take the three people that we all kind of had close to in the top five, you had Adam and uh, in, in first and Arlen in third. And then you, you had Cody Lynn in fifth, which was four spots away from where he finished in ninth. So that's four points for you. Uh, Kat had Arlen was off by one. Uh, she had Tyler was off by one, and she had Alex who was off by three. So that was five points for her, and I had six points. I had Arlen and or er, uh, Adam in first. Uh, I missed on two spots uh, with Hayden Hawks. I had him in fourth. He wound up in second, and I missed uh, same same with you uh, with Cody. I had him in fifth, and uh, and he wound up in ninth. So I wound up with six points that way. So you know pretty close, but I think you were you were the clear winner. Uh, you were the only one uh, to nail two people correctly. You had the the smallest differential. Um, you were one of the two of us to have uh, Adam for the win. Cat did not. Um, I will say Cat was the only one who had uh, Tyler correctly in the top five. So um, kudos to her for that one. But uh, but pretty good overall for all of us, yeah. I think. Nice. It's nice sometimes to have the smallest differential, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, for the women, it's a little more complicated. We made our top 10 picks. There were a couple of different ways you could go about this. You know, hard to do because of DNFs and everything else to, to add up points for everybody. Uh, if you take the five best picks of, of our top 10 uh, in terms of closest to where where they wound up, uh, then Kat was the winner. Uh, she had two 
runners dead on. She had Ruth uh, for the win, and she had Leah Yingling in sixth, which is where she wound up. She was off by only one with Marion Hogan, who she had in second. Marion came in third. And she was off by only two with both Katie Asmuth, who she had seventh and actually came in ninth. And she was off by, uh, oh, and I'm sorry, off by three uh, with Anne-Marie Madden. She had in eighth and she came in 11th. So a total of six points among her top five. Very good. However, I will say Kat had only five of the top 10 uh, make the top 10, which was the worst of the three of us. And she had the most of her top 10 picks DNF. She had uh, three of her picks in the top 10 did not finish, including Keely Henninger in third, who we all had in our top 10. Uh, she had Zoe Rahm, who uh, unfortunately, a good friend of the pod, uh, Zoe didn't make it. She had her in fifth. And she had Lucy Bar- Bartholomew in ninth. Uh, Lucy apparently fell and uh, struck her head, had a concussion, was vomiting, okay. and, and had to oh, yeah wow. had to pull out at, at uh, Robinson Flat. So sounds like she's doing a little better. Uh, all, all, uh, all the best to Lucy. Hopefully she recovers quickly. Phil, you also had Ruth uh, for the win. That was the one that you hit dead on. You had seven of the top ten, uh, correct? Um, right. That sounds like a win to me. Well, I mean, it's, that, it's you sound very positive when you're saying it's you pretty close. close, like you're slightly in shock. <laughs> it's pretty <laughs> close, but I will say if you if you add up your top five picks, you yeah. had the highest total in terms of differential. You had 12, 12 spots among your your top five picks. Um, uh, so I've basically gone from the smallest differential to the highest to the largest. And if you took my top five picks, I, I, I was off by eight and I had the most top 10 picks. Correct. I had eight of the top 10, although none oh, of wow. them, although none of them dead on the only ones I order. was at. Yeah. The, the order was yeah. off. The only ones I missed in the top 10 were uh, Keely Henninger, who we all had and Brittany Peterson, who we all had. Um, yeah. so, and, and, and the rest of my top 10 were all in the top 10, at least I was the only one to have. Camille Bruyas, I guess, and you were the only one to have uh, Lucia Bueller, um, who right. you had in tenth and, and came in uh, fourth. Mm-hmm. So I'm not quite like I said. I'm not quite sure. I, I, if you take the top five differential, that's definitely Cat. But again, if you go any higher than that, it's not Cat because she starts dropping people out of her top ten pretty quickly. If you go the top eight in terms of differential, that's me. Um, and if you go most top 10 picks, that's me. If you go most, uh, dead on picks, that's cat. Um, so I, I think it's, I think it's unclear enough that I'm going to be able to declare myself a winner without too much yeah. of, uh, of a problem there. Oh, so you are declaring yourself as a winner? Yeah, I think so. I think, I think reasonably so. Right. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, we knew that was going to happen anyway. I'm surprised that you couldn't concoct it. So you won the men's as well. Yeah, look, I, I, I'm I'm an impartial observer. What can I tell you? I mean, this is this is how it goes. I, I'm I'm a journalist. I'm a. I, I think I think everyone knows that I'm a straight shooter. I tell it like it is, and uh, you know I'll admit when I'm beaten, which is not very often. But uh, yeah, well, I think I think I feel pretty good about the fact that I that I won the women's. It eh, was it was handling. fun anyway. <laughs> and I think one other thing on the states is we give a shout out to our girl Ellie Pell. Yes. 14th. Pretty decent. Pretty Very solid. solid. Obviously going to be back. And then, you know, she's going to work her way up that list. Uh, so, yeah, the East Coast. Uh, she, you know, said, she said 50Ks and under from now on. That's what she's saying? Mm-hmm. Nah, that's no what way. She, that's what back. she texted me afterwards. But I, that's right. what I, I told her. I said, next time, just don't run it like it's a 50K and you'll be fine. Next time, she'll be she'll be way faster. She's, she's going to. 
be she'll, she'll be back for sure. She ran she ran a very gutsy race. She stuck her nose in it for sure. Um, yeah. She mixed it up right at the front. She was in the thick of the top 10 for basically, I, I think, the first 80 miles or so and really hung tough when yeah. uh, it could have gotten really, really bad and, 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 you know, still a very strong top 15 finish and a debut 100. It was a fantastic showing yeah. for Ellie. Very, yeah, very psyched for her. All right. I think that's it for states. Should we uh, should we talk briefly about some of the other goings on that have been happening yeah, over I the think, past I couple think we weeks? Did enough states, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, we can talk, I guess, real briefly about Broken Arrow. We talked to Cat, uh, you know, with our states preview right before Broken Arrow. It aired shortly afterwards. Um, you know, like you said, coverage out there was great. Again, uh, some really nice visuals, especially of the VK and and some of the finishing stuff. Um, there's so much going on. It's hard to kind of recap in just a few short sentences. Um, a lot of great performances from a lot of different people who we all kind of mentioned beforehand. Um, just off the top of my head, uh, Allie McLaughlin, a couple of great races in the VK and the 26K. Um, we saw some great running from, uh, Mario Mendoza who won the triple crown on the men's side. Uh, Max King had a couple of top performances, including winning the, um, the I forget what they were calling it, but it was like the Via Ferrata race. Yeah, that's right. It was a kind of a run and then a rock scramble. Yeah, right? yeah. That, with, that actually looked kind of cool. It was like an 11k or something. Uh, yeah, it looked, it looked I think 11k is right. And yeah, it was it was like they had to clip in and wear helmets, and it, it looked yeah. it looked pretty intense. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think of some of the other uh, big names. Some of the names we talked about actually didn't didn't race. Uh, Seth Ruling, who was I think one of the favorites right. going in, I didn't see him anywhere in there. Dave Kilgore, I think, was second in the Triple Crown and had some nice racing. Uh, there, I don't remember yeah. Courtney being there. Um, although I, I thought, yeah, no, she was on the start list, but, uh, I don't, I don't think did, uh, did get to race, but, um, yeah, just some, some really fun performances all around. Yeah. Anything and else that stood color, out I mean, to look, I think I like the way it leads into States. It kind yeah. of makes like a party kind of like two yeah. weeks down there, basically. Right. Mm-hmm. With all the kind of add-ons either side. Um, yeah, I mean, the coverage was just amazing. Some great racing. The VK was just so much fun to watch. Yeah, the VK was awesome. Um, yeah, so that was good. I mean, Andy Wacker won the twenty six K, right? Yep, and I think was cool. I think was cool. in the top five or top ten for the VK as well. Yeah, um, yeah. Ali Mack winning the women's VK. Who won the men's VK? I don't remember off the top of my head. Uh, the men's VK was won by the guy is a ski mountaineer. Can't oh. think of his name. He's a skimo guy. Okay, so it's really interesting. A lot of people doing their doing well there were like either Nordic skiers yep. or schemo people. I think the you winner know, of the really, women's 26K was a, a Nordic skier or a schemo person as well. I think you're right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that that's actually very interesting for the sport as well. I mean, you know, it shows training on the skis in the winter, kind of, you know, what you can do. So yeah, yeah, yeah very interesting. Yeah, it's funny, like, uh, it, it's funny when, when, when the kind of whole schemo thing started, you know, from, from an ultra running perspective with obviously with Killian and, you know, coming from that background. And I think we've always thought of it as, right, uh, we're ultra runners who can go and compete in, in schemo. And now you're starting to see it come the other way, right? Where these like people who are really well known for schemo are coming out onto the trails in the summer and just being like, oh, we can mix it up too. And yeah. uh, I think that crossover is just going to continue, obviously. Yeah, really. Uh, yeah, really cool. Uh, Western we'll States, not the. What's that? We better get our skis out this winter. Yeah, yeah, seriously. Uh, Western State's not the only big race going on this past weekend, and we alluded to it before. The East Coast, the biggest and baddest 50-mile race in the country, was this past weekend. You had a front-row seat at the Manitou's Revenge 54-mile. Tell us all about it. 
Yeah, it was uh, it was cool. It was a pretty warm day. Quite, I think it was like sixty degrees at the start, and I think the temperatures were just getting to like the eighties. Wasn't too humid to start with, but that kind of built up during the day. Uh, I mean, the trail was like it was weird. It was kind of a bit greasy in spots. You know, you get that the yep. rocks that kind of look like they're sweating. Yep, it was a lot of that. But yeah, it was was uh, was really good. I will, uh, I will say, I got out I got out that afternoon, and we were. You know, obviously down here in New Paltz, so it's a, a little bit lower elevation, usually a little a little warmer yeah. than you guys are a little colder when you're up in the Cats. But uh, it hit 90 and was, uh, you know, appreciably humid in the afternoon. So I, I know you guys were dealing with some really, really tough conditions. Yeah. I mean, the aid stations and the volunteers there was just so amazing. It was ice. There was all kinds of drinks. It was food. It was just really, really good. Uh, and the racing was great as well. I mean, Steve Lang went off, you know, mega fast. He was uh, putting down some some fast splits on it. Ended up winning, I think eleven oh three, something mm-hmm. like that. Solo uh, solo off the front great. after mile seven, I think, is what I saw. Yeah, yeah. He he had a he had a really good day, and especially on a very hard day as well. And yeah. I think that might be his longest race. I think you're um, right. I think you know he's sort of uh, you know moving up in in distance a bit here, which is pretty cool. Uh, and then uh, Kurt Davis won for the women. I think she was like fifteen hours, something like that. Um, and uh yeah i think that is maybe her fourth or fifth win wow so she's had she's had a good run there but yeah it was just excellent excellent race really really well done they supplied chipotle at the finish pizza i mean you could eat you know all night long if you had the energy to stay. <laughs> uh that no, was excellent yeah really good and uh yeah i mean i had a good a good race myself yeah tell us about your day but, yeah kept it pretty solid only had a few moments when i thought i might puke yeah maybe <laughs> maybe three I did manage to fall over quite a lot, but I always kept it very civil. I only fell over when it was nice and flat. So easy, <laughs> nice Catskill trail I managed to fall over on. And then burly, you know, head cracking devil's path, I didn't manage to fall over on. So I guess that was a good thing. So, uh, but yeah, so it was, uh, it was fun. It was definitely tough. Probably sweated like 25 gallons of sweat. But uh, <laughs> You yeah, texted was, me afterwards and you said you made a wrong turn and you cost you a few minutes. I... I've, find that hard to believe that you could get lost not well, not that one could get lost but uh somebody who spends as much time as you do on those trails i, I i'm yeah. shocked that you i don't spend any time on the escarpment trail that's my problem <laughs> you know i'm i'm on different trails but yeah it was just down near sort of coming into the north south lake aid station two trails kind of run parallel one goes to a little viewpoint and if you're like you know step too far left you'll end up but the view was nice I mean, it was a nice view. It was kind of, I really soaked it in, you know, took a couple of pictures, called my mum, you know, <laughs> and then I got back on with the race. So, yeah, so I did manage to lead a couple of other people off course as well. So, good, good, they went perfect. To find me. <laughs> um, but you wound up, you went at what, ninth? Ninth, yeah. So that was good. That was my, my fastest time there as well. Great. That's great. And the last time I was there was six years ago. So, you know, I've aged gracefully, I think. The last time you were there was six years ago? Sorry, the, so my last fastest time was six oh, years ago. Oh, God, no, I was yeah. going to say, right, okay. So faster than your PR from six years ago. That's very impressive. Yeah. Very impressive. Yeah. And, a, and a, you know, pretty pretty tough day, I think, so. Yeah, yeah. That's great. That's great. Well, I think there's a spot, the same spot for you for next year. you got to bring your boat shoes, though. Yeah, they'll keep, they're going to be waiting a long time for me to get on the line of that one. Also, this past weekend, uh, we had a bunch of races overseas that we wanted to touch on. Uh, Lavaredo, which is, you know, always a, a great race. Oh, I'm sorry. Lavaredo by UTMB. Always a great race. Oh, yeah. Careful. <laughs> I know. Uh, you, make sure you just write a note to our lawyers after this. Sorry. 
I saw know that you swore. <laughs> uh, Hans Namberger winning the the big race there. Mimi Kotka for the women in the Ultra Dolomites, the the eighty k. Uh, Matteo Anselmi yep. for the men and uh, Kelly Wolf for the women. Kelly Wolf, you know, just just getting it done under the radar as as always. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Paul Capel dropped there, right? Yes, he, I believe he, so. He dropped, so that's. I mean, hopefully he's doing okay, but it'd be really nice to see him back at uh, UTMB, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, Do we call it UTMB by Ironman, or is it Ironman by UTMB, <laughs> or UTMB by UTMB? I think it's UTMB by UTMB. So when you talk about like UTMB, I, I want to ha- make sure I have the correct wording for it. You know. You got to be careful. You got to be careful in this environment. Zach Miller making his triumphant return to the winner's circle yeah. in Andorra and actually announcing that uh, that raced him into the aforementioned UTMB. And he will be there for, you know, what's a, shaping up to be a big showdown, as, as always. Huge. I mean, it's going to be, yeah, it's the next big thing to look forward to, right? Yeah. Well, I guess we got well, Hard Rock. Well, Yep. And there's always other great stuff. Leadville, obviously. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that one. Leadville, yeah, we're going to see you there. That's going to be great. Somebody will see me there. Um, Marathon de Mont Blanc. Uh, first, or I don't know about the first, but uh, early race on the Golden Trail Series this summer. Jonathan Albin, uh, uh, yeah. fellow Brit uh, and former world champion, coming home with the win there on the men's side. Uh, ooh, excuse me. Sarah Alonzo for the women. And a friend of the pod, Danny Moreno, uh, yeah. podium finish in third place uh, in the 90K. Yeah. Or in the, uh, in the, in the marathon, rather. Um, the 90K was canceled uh, for weather, I think. It was supposed to go off so, uh, yeah, earlier so in the Greenest, week. Stanley, and Avery Collins were due to race in that, uh, in that one. So they ended up doing a race in Switzerland called the Scenic Trail 119K, and they both won. Both, right. So that's actually pretty, pretty cool. It sounds like, according to... Avery's Instagram post, he he made a six-mile detour, uh, wound up off course, was leading, wound up coming back onto course in, I think he said 14th place or something like that, and still right. wound up winning by like 45 minutes. So, wow. yeah. yeah. <laughs> Very much like when he raced it, that Ure race and a volunteer sent him on the wrong trail. <laughs> and he still came back to win. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, maybe he needs to work on his navigational skills, but it sounds like both he and Sabrina are well, certainly just want to hang fit. out with me then. No, definitely not. <laughs> Doesn't want to get on the escarpment trail. <laughs> uh, well, um, saw some good races at San Juan Solstice, um, uh, and now I can't remember. So let's not even talk about that because I can't okay, remember. So you saw them and they're that good, but you just can't they were, remember they were them. that good. Um, getting off the trail, six days at the dome also was this past week. Some really nice performances there. We saw a top performance, and I think an age group. American record, if I'm not uh, mistaken, from Marissa Lezak winning the the taking the overall 24 hour win there, um, and also just cementing her spot on the the world 24 hour team. Um, Jenny Hoffman, I think, was either second or third overall as well, and also got a qualifier for the the world 24 hour team. I don't know if it'll hold up, but she looks to be in pretty mm-hmm. solid position right now. Former national champ and top 10 runner at, at the world championships. I saw Zach Bitter was uh, also taking a shot at the 24-hour, trying to put up a real fast time, and, and was on, right. I think was on pace through the first uh, 12 hours even, maybe. Or maybe it wasn't 12 hours. Maybe it was like nine hours. He was on pace for uh, something in the 170, 175-mile range, like really right. uh, a very impressive, and, but uh, then started having some, some mechanical issues and uh, pulled out at about 100 miles, so um, uh, short-circuited there. Um, 
Anything else? What other anything anything else that we wanted to touch on from, from the past couple of weeks? Um, I think that was it. I mean, they had a summer spine race in the UK. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, they have a summer version there and a winter version. Well, the so, winter the winter version is the the main one, right? The winter version is the one we always talk about. Yeah, that's yeah. the one where people basically found frozen to death out on the moors. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. So they had a they had a um, a race there in the South African one for the men, Tian Irwi. Okay. So that was uh, that was cool. I think the women's winner set the course record. So, oh wow, uh, yeah, that that women's record I think was uh, Jasmine Paris. Is that right? She was I think came to mm. prominence when she when she won the I think she won the overall a couple of years ago and set the course record there. Yeah, I think that was winter race though. Oh, so you're saying this is a summer? This is a summer record? Yeah, is what summer, you're yeah. Because I mean, in the summer, it's uh, you know like you get a lot of snow in the winter up there. Sure, sure. You get further north, yeah. So. Gotcha. Makes a big difference. So yeah, the yeah. So basically, the women's and men's course records are broken. So I see. That's that fun. Cool, cool. And is that still in the cards for you at some point in the future? Is that are you still on the possible yeah, entrance list for next year? Yeah. Um. So yes, quite possibly going there, but I gotta, I gotta see. Yeah. yeah okay. I, would, I would like to do it. So I am entered. Awesome. Awesome. All right. I think that'll do it. Uh, you know, always a little bit of a letdown after Western States is over yeah. for the year, but uh, we, yeah. it was a great, it was a great race. It was really fun to follow. I think I, we, you know, we talked about it beforehand that not having Jim there not having either defending champ there and the races did feel a little bit more wide open mm -hmm. than they have in the past. Um, and it was really fun to see how that played out on the men's side. I think, uh, I, I, it, it was a little bit more exciting than it's been the last couple of years. Not to denigrate anything Jim does. I mean, I love watching the guy and, and marveling yeah. at what he can do. But, uh, you know, have, having uh, Jim 2.0 and Adam Peterman and, and, and all the other stories coming out of there. And, yeah, the, I mean, the women's race, I think, like we said, it was it was super fun. It went a little bit more according to form, maybe. And, mm -hmm. you know, if idiots like us can get seven or eight of the top ten correct, then uh, – you know, maybe it's a little bit chalkier than we'd like to see, but uh, still some great performances, some great unexpected performances. And uh, yeah, some some names that I think we we like to talk about and, and talked about beforehand, but maybe didn't expect necessarily to be quite as high as they did. Like, you know, we didn't even get to mention, uh, which we should, Els McDonald coming in second with uh, yeah. really, I mean, somebody we've talked about for years, but um, yeah. to, to come up with a, a world-class performance like that, Marion Hogan, we talked about in third. Um, Emily Hoggood in fifth, we all talked about her and she had a great race. Uh, Lee Yingling, again, another name that, you know, we've talked about, but maybe didn't take a, a real step onto the international stage until this weekend. Um, so really, really fun to see, uh, some great racing there. And, and now, yeah, we'll, we'll look forward to a summer of, of great racing at Hard Rock and Leadville and UTMB. And, uh, then it gets into world championship season at the end of the year and, you know, some, some. We get, we get the international championships at uh, Biggs this year. We'll get the team competition. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. yeah, plenty more storylines still to come before uh, Ultra Runner of the Year. But uh, we're going to need to do a, a draft pretty soon. Uh, we'll have to set that up. Maybe before maybe before Hard Rock, we'll try and do uh, a, a fantasy draft. Or maybe just after, somewhere in that range. Sounds good. Good. All right. All right. Thanks, Phil, for getting on. This was a lot of fun. Uh, let's get together and run sometimes shortly. And thank you to everyone for listening. Until next time in the pain cave, keep putting one foot in front of the other. Broken down and beaten up. The years have been long and tough, but I'm not dead. I'm happy now just to spend some time with friends and have a roof above my
I'm not jaded, just been faded Like a good old pair of jeans Rusted like a proud old car That's drove a little too far and seen Too much rain But long ago as a child I look about the night sky And wild wonder man And ride the bus feel upset to think of all